At that moment, the disciples returned and were stunned to see Jesus speaking with the Samaritan woman. Yet none of them dared ask her, ask him why or what they were discussing. All at once, the woman dropped her water jar and ran off to her village and told everyone, come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. He could be the anointed one we've been waiting for. Hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to see Jesus. Then the disciples began to insist that Jesus eat some of the food they'd brought him back from the village, saying, teacher, you must eat something. But Jesus told them, don't worry about me. I have eaten a meal that you don't know about. Puzzled by this, the disciples began to discuss among themselves, did someone already bring him food? Where did he get this meal? Then Jesus spoke up and said, my food is doing the will of him who sent me and bringing it to completion. As the crowds emerged from the village, Jesus said to his disciples, why would you say the harvest is another four months away? Look at all the people coming. Now is harvest time. Their hearts are like vast fields of ripened grain, ready for a spiritual harvest. And everyone who reaps these souls for eternal life will receive a reward. And those who plant spiritual seeds and those who reap the harvest will celebrate together with great joy. And this confirms the saying, one sows the seed and another reaps the harvest. I've sent you out to harvest a field that you haven't planted, where others have labored long and hard before you. And now you are privileged to profit from their labors and reap the harvest. So there were many from the Samaritan village who became believers in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did, <clears throat> said the woman. Then they begged Jesus to stay with them. So he stayed there for two days, resulting in many more coming to faith in him because of his teachings. Then the Samaritan said to the woman, <clears throat> we no longer believe just because of what you told us, but now we've heard him for ourselves and are convinced that he really is the true savior of the world. Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> okay, um, so we've got a screen. So that's what we're looking at today. Um, <clears throat> uh, Liz and I consider ourselves uh, fortunate that the neighbours all around us really are nice. That's helpful. It really is. And um, I was having a conversation with our immediate neighbours on one side a couple of three weeks ago. And he was, uh, he was telling me in a bit of detail what him and his wife's plans are for when they retire. They're a similar age to Liz and I. Um, and basically his plan is to use his house where he's living next door to us as a bit of a base really. And what they're going to do is then go out all over the world on holiday. Wow. Um, and uh, just enjoy retirement. Got me to thinking, would I like to do that? And uh, in a way, I was slightly surprised at the answer that came back from my head, having thought that. And uh, the thought was, do you know what? Actually, I don't want to do that. I like going to see places. I love the world and the beauty of it. But I don't want to do that. Why not? 
And the answer is simply, I don't want to be taken away from God's plan for my life. And I don't actually believe it means doing that or just giving myself to my own pleasures and wants and desires. Then I had another thought. (laughs) Be careful, yes. Yes, be very careful. And the other thought was, do you know what? I'm not in bad company here. I've just realized there's somebody else who had a similar thought to me. And the Lord Jesus, in this chapter that uh, Irene read for us, um, he was talking to a a Samaritan woman, and uh, his disciples returned from a first first century McDonald's, um, and... uh, and his disciples urged Jesus to eat something because he'd not been, not, not been eating with them. And he gives a surprising reply. He said, listen, I have food to eat you know nothing about. Of course, they were thinking, he's got a sandwich or a bag of nuts or something like that. But, but what Jesus was saying was, he says, look, I'm actually, I'm fired up by something more compelling, more energizing, more satisfying than food right now, as important as those things are. And, and uh, he said this, goes on to say, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. And I thought, so I suddenly realized when I was thinking this about my neighbor and what he was planning on doing, I thought, oh, wow, I am so chuffed. I'm, I'm kind of thinking what Jesus is thinking here. But then, actually, Jesus goes on a step further, and he indicates next by, by what he says, what that kind of work is that he was compelled to be caught up in and wanted to be in. And in verse 35, he says this. He says, so, well, some people say it's four more months to the harvest, but... Open your eyes and look. The fields are white for harvest. And so the work that he uh, had been given by his father was, to the, was about the raising and the reaping of a harvest. But it wasn't grain in the fields. That's four months away. It was all to do with this lady to start off with who she realized her need of God and her recognition that Jesus was the answer for the deep issues and needs of her heart and her need of forgiveness. She realized that and she chased off to the local town to her friends and family and said, hey, come and see a man who has spoken to me about everything I've ever done. Could this be the one we're waiting for? Could this be the Messiah? Could this be the Savior? And they all came out and invited Jesus to stay with them. And it says, as Irene read, many more people put their faith in him as a result. And so that's kind of, if you like, a bit like me. I thought, you know, do I? Yeah, I love going to some of the places I've been able to go to. They're they're lovely. But really... Really, 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 do I want to do that all my life? No. What I want is I want to be aligned with God's task and purpose for my life. Because although I'm coming up to retirement age, you know, there's no word in the Bible for retirement. 
And I've got a job until I die. Don't worry, David. Don't worry, don't worry. You can move from one job to another. But the job is doing the will of him who sent me, says Jesus, and finishing his work. And it's about a harvest of people coming to know the Lord. 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul writes to Timothy and says, this is a, a trustworthy saint, worthy of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world. Why? To save sinners, of which I'm the worst, Paul says. And then after Jesus' death and resurrection, just before he leaves earth to ascend back to the Father, he says this to his followers right next to him. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. This is our mandate. <laughs> this is for you and me. Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you or doing everything I've been doing, you do it too. Our work to bring the good news to folk who don't know God. Now, I had a check on the, uh, I asked Vicky for a bulletin, the bulletin this morning, to see uh, if it was on there. Because we, we don't often talk about this, but it's, in, it's part of what we are as a church. Um, and, and that is our statement of intent as a church. Do you know what it is? Yes, yes, thank you. To know Jesus and make him known, which is about harvest. 1978, I got harvested. Came into the kingdom of heaven. God brought me in and I'm so glad he did. And then straight away, I'd start telling people because I'm blown away by this. And some other people became Christians. But do you know what? There are different roles in the process of harvesting. Have you noticed? There are soil diggers. There are those who sow the seed. There are reapers. There are horse and cart drivers or combine harvesters. There are threshers separating wheat from chaff. Just general helpers. Everybody is as important as the other. In fact, if what appears to be the most menial tasks were not attended to, the whole thing would grind to a halt. I want to give you some examples of how people work in the harvest field. Because um, the other week, um, sorry, Do you remember that Carol got up and she was waving this leaflet? Please, she said, if you know anybody who uh, you, know, you could invite to Alpha, please give them one of those. What, why is that? It's because Carol understands, Ron and Carol understand an aspect of what God has asked them to do in their lives. They're not just spectators, they're participators. And God's got a job for them to do in terms of bringing up and reaping a harvest. And they run the uh, small group on a Tuesday morning. Well, talking about the small group on a Tuesday morning, I was there this last Tuesday. And I was made a very nice cup of coffee by Linda. And uh, we all shared a little bit about what, uh, uh, who we were and so on. And Linda said that, oh, you don't mind me saying this, Linda, uh, she'd gone on Alpha three years ago, I think that's right, isn't it, and become a Christian, and uh, what she does is she uh, 
helps Carol and Ron run the Alpha. She just helps. She also started helping Ellen with camp visits. And uh, without, without that, the whole thing wouldn't happen. What, what, does, what, does Linda, what has Linda started to understand is that she has a part to play, a calling from God to participate in some way in the raising and the reaping of a harvest. And without her, the whole thing would collapse, potentially. That's how important you are. Then, this, um, the other week I had a conversation with Howard. Can't see him. Is that like this? And uh, perhaps unlike my neighbours, uh, Howard has one particular, Howard and Steph have one particular neighbour that's been a challenge, Howard, I think. We could say that. And uh, tried everything, but it all gets thrown back in your face. Try and show Christian love. And uh, Howard was looking out of his window, saw this particular person struggling with the garden. I thought, you know what, I've got the answer for that. A bit like Tim with his car thing. And uh, goes out and said, look, I can do this for you. And he expected to say, no, I don't want you, go away. But, but the person accepted, and Howard sorted it out for them. What's that? What does that show about Howard? It shows that Howard understands a little bit about God's purpose and destiny for him, his life, him and Steph. And that is to be part of the rearing and the raising of a harvest. A bit like Paul who said, I have become all things to all people so that all, by all possible means I might save some. I've got to turn the other cheek. And then got an email this week from Paul, who I can't see in the congregation. Congregation, but Paul noticed a bunch of young people from the college eating outside the church, jumped out of his car, went up to them, I mean, this is very uh, in your face, um, and started telling them about the Lord. Gave them a Bible, offered to pray, and they accepted. What's that? Sowing a seed. But what does that say about Paul? Paul understands that, that God has a purpose for his life in the process of raising and reaping a harvest. Do you know that God's hand is on you for the same thing? And that's our role. Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. He said, look, the fields are white for harvest. We're not all going to be like Paul. We're not all going to be like Linda. We're not all going to be like Carol or Ron or Howard. But we've all got a part to play. Are you playing yours? Are you playing yours? What is being a Christian? Some people fear, well, you know, if I turn up for church every now and again, join in with the prayers that Howard led, sing the songs, have a cup of tea, coffee, cheerio, thanks very much, see you next week. I have to say, can I say this lovingly, that if that's your Christianity or something like that, you're not doing everything that God has appointed for you in your life. Or another way of putting it, you, using a military sense term if you like, you have not discharged your duty before God. Now, uh, Paul was speaking to the crowd in Jerusalem 
he avoided being beaten up. <laughs> and he got a chance to speak to the crowd. And uh, this is the fourth slide, I think. Uh, and uh, he's talking about his conversion on the road to Damascus and how Jesus appeared to him. And uh, uh, Paul's response, he was blinded, be blind for three days until Ananias lays his hands on him and heals him. He's, and he says, Lord, this is Paul speaking, Lord, what shall I do? He asked. And Jesus says, get up. The Lord said, go to Damascus. There you'll be told what you've been assigned to do. Did you know you've been told about an assignment? Or can I say, no, can I say that did you know you've got an assignment from God? You're not called just to be a passive Christian, can I say. You're not, in other words, you're not, you're not brought into unemployment. You know, we talk about coming out of something and into. Well, what is that thing you're called into? You're not called into nothing. God has got a plan, an assignment for you. And it will include something, or all, but something to do with the harvest. Now, in Matthew 25, there are three quite shocking parables <laughs> in there. There's the parable of the ten virgins, there's the parable of the talents, there's the parable of the sheep and the goats. But each of the peoples described in each of these parables on Judgment Day, did you know there's a Judgment Day coming? We shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of what we've done in this life. But on Judgment Day, they're all found to have fallen short. And all of them did one thing in common. Does anybody know what that one thing in common was that they all did? Nothing. They didn't do what God had asked them to do. They didn't run with the assignment that God had asked of them. Some say, well, look, I don't need to do anything, actually. All I need to do is believe. You're right. You do. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved absolutely true but did you know that after that you, you then actually become a follower a disciple a disciple is a follower of Jesus in other words you have something assigned to you to do in your life and uh, for Jesus said look it's to do the will of him who sent me James puts it like this he says without works, faith is dead, actually. You don't have to do anything to become a Christian. You don't have to patch yourself up, make yourself better, say 10 Hail Marys, burn candles. You don't have to do those things to make yourself right with God. What Jesus did was complete and total for you for forgiveness and access to heaven. But you show that that's become a reality in your life then by what you do. Some say, well, I'll get involved later. <laughs> later never comes. And uh, Jesus said, look, some say four months to the harvest. It's over there. Look, look, me doing anything about this, you know, 
if there's anything in your life that you feel convicted by God to sort out, you know, you sort of say, well, I'll sort that out later. Have you ever been? I've been there. I'll do that later. Listen, I want to tell you that now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Now's the time when we need to address things like this. I'll just bring it down to brass tacks, (laughs) if you like. A few weeks ago, there was the children's camp, and there was an army of people who were there. There were tent setter-upperers, there were tent puller-downerers, there were cooks, there were washer-upperers, there was security, not to mention all the different tasks of, for, you know, doing things with the kids. And I think it was in the teens how many children made a decision to follow the Lord Jesus at the end of that. That's great, isn't it? But the thing about it is, right now at the moment in the church, and this won't apply to everybody by any means, but I'm just saying it as an example, and it could be some in here this could apply to, we need people to work in the kids' church, for example. Could it be that there could be one or two people here who say, well, every six weeks, I wouldn't mind just helping out there. What's that? What's that? That's understanding that God has an assignment for you, for me, for each of us. An assignment that involves some kind of engagement in our primary purpose, which is raising and reaping a harvest. Because the effort that's put in there, for example, has led to 13, 14, 15 Children having faith in Jesus for the first time. Could it be there are people here today who could say, well, Lord, I want to do that. Do you know, I did that actually in my early 20s. It was the last thing I wanted to do uh, was work with children's work. Oh, God. And <laughs> you probably feel like that, some people. You know, if you like that, well, you like me. But I kind of did it. For a period, I did it for about, I think I did it for, I think about a year. And it was an act of (laughs) self-sacrifice. I didn't particularly like it. But I was just helping out. I was just being perhaps a bit like Linda's attitude has been. I just want to help. I just want to pitch up and patch into what's going on and help, really. Just want to serve. That's it, really, isn't it? Anybody notice it's been raining at all this week? (laughs) Rain appears alongside the idea of harvest in the Bible. Where there's rain, there's harvest. Where there's harvest, there's rain. Rain in the Middle East, in Israel, in the Holy Land, is critical. They have two major outpourings. One in autumn, the former rain, it's called, and one in March, April, the latter rain. Either one of those fail, you can say goodnight to the harvest. We don't really appreciate that here because it rains a lot, <laughs> relatively speaking. And uh, where the Israelites used to live in Egypt, they didn't have a real problem. They could get water out of the Nile, which flowed every week, every day, every year, without fail. But uh, it's not like that in the promised land, God said. It's a land of hills and valley and it, valleys, and it receives rain from heaven. 
But, God said, and this is slide seven, so if you faithfully obey the commands I'm giving you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will send rain in its season, both autumn and spring rain, so that you may gather in your grain new wine, wine and olive oil, the three main harvests in Israel. The point here is that the rain was given for the purpose of the harvest. And did you know that rain is a symbol also for the Holy Spirit? The rain is given for the purpose of the harvest. And the Holy Spirit is a symbol of rain. In, in Acts, Peter stood up with the eleven. This is after the day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit had been poured out. Addressed the crowd. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Who just had been speaking about the former and latter rains. In the last days... I will pour out my spirit on all people. What happened? A few verses later, Peter preached, and 3,000 became Christians, became believers in Jesus, were saved. The Holy Spirit was given for the purpose primarily of the harvest. If you were to ask me what I think of when I think of the Holy Spirit, I think of the love, the joy, the peace, all the benefits that he brings to me in my life. And we speak about them regularly in the church. You're right. You're absolutely right. But do you know what? We miss it sometimes that actually the rain primarily is given for the harvest to bring people to the Lord and bring people into his kingdom. And so just my point is to us this morning, are you aware of your assignment that God has given to you? Are you aware? And, and are, you, are you engaged in that? I just wonder, I just wonder if the music uh, team could uh, come back up, please. Because uh, I'd like to, to pray for us this morning. And uh, the first thing I'd like to pray for you is uh, um, about us in this room and our assignments before God. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and complete his work. We're followers of Jesus and he has an assignment for you to walk in. It's, assign it's an assignment that's not to be missed. I don't want to go off on holiday all my time and live it up for the, the last 25% of my life. hope I've got 25% of my total life left. hope so. Anyway, I, I don't want to do that. I want to fulfill the will of God that he has for me. And I know that involves harvest. Not exclusively, there's other things as well, but it involves the raising and rearing of a harvest. And I just wonder about you, with all the love in the world, I don't want you to miss God's plan and God's purpose for your life. I don't want you to miss the best that's yet to come the best is yet to come and don't want you to miss it I'm not going I'd, even if I I haven't got the money to do that even if I had the money I would not be spending it on myself like that zotting off all the time like, I like going on holiday don't get me wrong I'm not saying don't go on holiday I like it you know but I don't want it to take me away from God's plan for my life here and now and I'd love to pray with others here who feel a similar way could I please invite you to stand 
first thing I would just like to say is, did you know that God has an assignment over your life? You are not some coincidence that's just happened and you've no place and God's got no plan for you. That's not correct. He's got a plan for your life. He's got an assignment. It's got something at least to do with the harvest. I'm asking you, will you pick up the sickle? Will you pick up the basket with the, uh, with the seed in to sow the seed? I'm asking, will you be a helper to reap? When the chips are down, will you be there? Will you be there? Or will you say, well, we never see them. We never see them when the need is there. So Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much that for your wonderful plan for our lives. You love us so much, oh God. You care for us so much, Lord. And I thank you that you haven't abandoned us. We're not impersonal objects in your mind, but we're loved and close to your heart. And you have the best intention for us. And Lord, your food was to do the will of him who sent you and finish his work. And I pray for each of my friends here this morning. Each one you have a plan in their lives, Lord. And I just pray for any this morning who say, well, I've sat on the fence, really. I've been a bit of a pop-in and a pop-out Christian, not committed to anything. I'm just really having a look. The Lord would say to you, come, come, come in. Put your hand to the plow. Put your hand in the bucket with the seed in. Sow the seed. Help out. Be part. Don't be distant. And if that's anybody here today, it's a bit like what David said last week, that um, you need to make a response to God this morning. If you say, well, I feel challenged by that, and I want to say I'm going to get involved in the heart that is you, I want you to do something. I want you to move slightly in some way. I'm not asking you to come out to the front because I don't, this is a personal thing between you and God this morning. I don't care. I'm not looking at you. Nobody else is. But you know in your heart if you're a spectator on the edge or if your hand is set to the task that God has assigned for you. So I want you to move one part of your body. I want you to just move. You could move from side to side. Make one step. Or you could just lift your hand up. You could do something. And I'm asking you, whatever that movement is, do it now in your body. If you are saying, I want to be, I want to know my assignment and I want to get involved in this, do it now. Father, I just pray for those who have responded to that appeal. And I just pray that um, you'll help them fulfill that, Lord, and that you'll show them what you have for them, and you'll bless them. Amen.